Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Microphones of madness. Hey, everybody. It's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. I'm here. Kind of an interesting coincidence about this episode is we had chosen the film Circle of Iron, also called The Silent Flute, an original story by Bruce Lee. Turns out that we just passed the anniversary of Bruce Lee's death. I think it was Wednesday, so about a week ago when you actually hear this. Circle of Iron, as I said, is a, is a, it was a script originally written by uh, Bruce Lee, James Coburn, and another guy, I can't remember his name, which um, was not made into a film before Bruce Lee died. Studio got a hold to it, changed the script around a little bit, ended up casting uh, David Carradine in in the roles meant for Bruce Lee. David Carradine actually plays four characters. That was supposed to uh, capitalize on his popularity from the Kung Fu series. I suppose. I believe Kung Fu, the Kung Fu series was originally written for Bruce Lee as well, and David Carradine got that part, so it's kind of like a twist of the knife. No offense to David Carradine fans out there. I'm sure there, there are a couple... But uh, I never saw the appeal of David Carradine. How to explain this movie? First off, it's a bad film. There's there's no ifs, it's, ands, or buts about it. It's it's bad. The guy that got to play uh, the part that was meant for James Coburn, Cord, uh, <laughs> wow. is 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 a cringe worthy actor. In his, there's no good acting. Christopher Lee does a good job. Maybe uh, Roddy Roddy <laughs> McDowell did a good job in his little bit part there at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> He, he got to move colored rocks along the brackets. <laughs> yeah. Now, would you consider this a sword and sorcery film? Um, it definitely, I don't, I don't think it originally was written as a sword and sorcery film, but I definitely think that they took a lot of their visual cues from the fad of sword and sorcery films that was um, prevalent at the time. It, it has the same like palette, the same, it was probably Location. filmed in the same place, yeah, as as a lot places as a lot of those were filmed. Vaguely desert. Yeah. Now, I don't know about the actual setting being in like desert and whatnot, but the the story was actually set in a fantastic world because it um it was Bruce Lee's way of exploring Buddhist concepts in the context of a martial arts film. And they didn't set it in a real world because you know, they're trying to teach something rather than you know make a period piece cord is your typical sword and sorcery guy got the shorts the long blonde hair uh never wears a shirt oh wait no he does no he He wears a shirt once he wears a shirt in one scene and the rest of the time he's in that he's either shirtless or wearing that lambskin vest yeah he's definitely wanders around shirtless and in all together short shorts Right, and fur boots in the desert. Yes, that is uh, Jeff Cooper. Jeff Cooper. Was Jeff, Jeff Cooper in anything else? Jeff Cooper is so obscure that he doesn't even have a hyperlink on the Wikipedia page. Wow. So he, it's not like he has a page that doesn't have his picture and has like a blurb about him. He has nothing. Jeff Cooper, I mean, he had a chiseled face and... And I mean that that it looked like it was made of stone. The unfortunate thing to me is Bruce Lee's name is attached to this. So you would expect 
the martial arts to be good? Well, they're not. No, they're, they're horrible. They're, they're like, horrible. I mean, even and and I'm no way well, saying I'm an you expert. Know, they, Bruce Lee's name's attached, but he he really didn't have anything to do with the film other than the overall story. Right, but I mean, even at martial arts pieces from the early '80s, late '70s, and you get like at least good fighting. The acting might suck balls, but at least like the fight scenes are cool, and you have like fight scenes that that are dramatic and tell stories within the fight scene. You know, there's tension and blah blah blah. This had none of that. I mean, this was just like straight up quick cuts and people like flinging flinging limbs randomly there were there were far too many close-ups second person views of uh you know people throwing punches um yeah it was, this was not the best choreographed movie as we said this movie is bad yeah it, it's it's bad now i can't talk about the philosophy or the religious aspects of it because uh, just just not my forte but I believe you can. Yes, I can. The story-wise, story-wise, we have in general introduction to to Zen Buddhism. Yeah, it's and that, that's what it's supposed to be. I think it says. Yeah, it was a way um, to introduce these concepts to a Western audience uh, without it being too um, like in your face, religion-wise. Right. Unfortunately. David Carradine, who's the the purveyor of a lot of this, I don't know. He rubs me the wrong way. He, he like, I, if I were a court, I would have just punched him in the fucking face. Yes. And David Carradine's character. Now, without having seen the original treatment that that Coburn and Lee did, you know, it's really hard to say how much. And I really wanted to try to find it before we watched the film before we went on the air. Because I think a comparison would have been very important. But uh, David Carradine's character, his main character, the blind man, is playing this antagonistic teacher role. That I mean, that's pretty much uh, a trope these days. Yeah, th- at this um, point, that's that's you expect that. You know, his his role is to disseminate these mysterious bits of wisdom that only come into play later on or through cord's actual development he understands what he was talking about but some of the characters they they also mixed it in in that some of the things that he would say and do were just played for laughs so it's really hard to say which ones were meant to be serious lessons and which ones were just jokes for instance there's the very comical chase scene between the horse horsemen who are garbed in the armor of various cultures <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a minute, right? And <laughs> and Cord tells the blind man, "I've never seen you run from a fight," and he replies, "It's very hard to kill a horse with a flute." And there is a remake being planned somewhere. It's like in development hell. I would like to see it remade. I would like to see it done with better production values, better acting, uh, more concrete story. It is concrete, and it isn't. It's a very, very simple story. Cord's actual quest for understanding, but it's not. That's not what it is. Uh, I mean, that's what it ends up being, but th- that's not what it. What it? Ah, yes, it has. What it was originally. It has the switcheroo plot. Uh, well, originally, Cord was going out on this quest for personal glory, 
mm-hmm. to uh, be the, the one who brings back the mysterious book of everything. Right. Evil yeah. wizard who guards the mysterious book of everything. You have to earn your place to quest for the book. He cheats to and, and uh, usurps the role. He basically steals the role from the guy who actually won the tournament, um, who failed his first task. Right. He fails the first task. Now, Cord believes that he won the fight. And technically, he won the fight, but he won it dishonorably. He broke the rules. You're not supposed to hit somebody when they're down, and Cord hits his opponent when he's down, and therefore is disqualified. But he is stubborn. He's decided that he is the one to quest for this book. He will go and you know face the trials. He will go, and it's all about him. Right, and and honestly, I mean the way it pans out is, I think that's just that one group's way of picking mm-hmm. a contestant because there's yeah. like a a ton, a shit ton of people who who go through these trials, and there's different trials depending on where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Not everybody faces the same trials as each right. other, and and. So really, anybody can do this. It doesn't have to be the winner of the tournament. So the tournament itself was some elaborate construction that meant absolutely nothing. Well, that's the the pretext for Kord's character. We assume that because we see the other characters wearing the amulets, and that's pretty much how we know that they're the champion of their region. We see them they're they're also martial artists so we kind of assume that yeah it's it's generally the greatest warriors are chosen for this quest. Using uh air quotes around martial artists. Right. I mean just no no offense because I know it's supposed to be that but like the choreography was really The choreography is 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 pretty bad. And they try to disguise it with little tricks like close-ups and and rapid cuts and cord follows the person who actually won, which leads to a very humorous exchange. A year uh, ago, yeah, I took, took a vow of silence. Then when did you stop? Just now! Which almost kind of makes you think, oh, well, he didn't deserve to be on the quest anyway, if he's that weak. He's frustrated by Cord because Cord is following him, and Cord doesn't want to fight him. He wants to help no. him. Cord, Cord, I don't like Cord. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, Cord is, a, Cord is a very unlikable character. That's the other thing. It's like none of these characters are really like sympathetic. No, Cord's just are... even. I mean, you can have an arrogant rogue character that makes you want to root for him. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of them. Um, right. There's Han Solo. There's Omari Ket. There's like, it's it's an archetype. Right. And this Cord guy is this guy. Make, he doesn't. Yeah, I think he Coburn would have pulled it off. Yeah, now Coburn could because Coburn can play that. Look at in like Flint. Um, he does that. He does that um, to a certain degree in um, and and the Dirty Dozen. He can pull off like a guy you're really not supposed to like, but you do anyway. Right. I mean, that was kind of his his thing. Right. Which is probably why the character was written that way. The blind man is very similar. Just to, a guy that you don't really like. I'm sure that that there's plenty of of you know Zen masters, wandering Zen masters out there who 
can pull that off. Bruce Lee could have pulled up, but Bruce Lee, I mean, he there was, was no a little arrogant. Like Bruce, Lee. Bruce Lee was a little arrogant. He, he, he could played have played like, a little arrogant. Yeah. You know, I don't think he was quite as arrogant as, you know, the characters, but his characters were, were very brash. He actually might have done a good job as court. Uh, he may have. He may have. Because because Bruce Lee's another one where, where he, his characters are arrogant, they're brash, but you'll still like him and you still mm. root for him. Oh yeah, you definitely want to root for him in uh, in in any of his films. Bruce Lee's characters in his films always knew they were just completely badass. Yes, and that's that's really what it was. They were they were badass and they knew it. Right, and and honestly, no one in his films came close to to his level of of talent. No, no, not and, even and not even it. Chuck no, Norris character one. Right, character. Fuck Chuck Norris. That's right. I said it. Fuck Chuck Norris. So we have this. We have this like questing storyline that rapidly becomes this almost kind of surrealistic adventure in which Cord must face his challenges, but each challenge is a lesson. Right, and and the challenges aren't strictly fighting challenges, which is what he thinks they're going to be. Right. They're they're like you said. They're more. Spiritual lessons, because because the the people of the outside world have completely misinterpreted what this means. Right. Even even like the the one that was an actual fight, mm-hmm. or that had to be an actual fight, was really just a way for him to learn and how to think. Right. Think when you're fighting, because the monkey will try to unsettle you. The big final boss fight. Chang Sha is there to be a, a tempter of the material. Right. You know, come, come, you see his, his caravan. I mean, that's, his caravan is probably the most diversity you see in this film. Oh, there's a lot of diversity in this film. I, I mean, not with the main characters. characters. There are a lot of white people in this movie. Yeah. A lot. But you see, you know, he's got. You go into his camp and there's fireworks going off. There's music blasting. People are dancing. People are fucking in the sand. You know, you go into his tent and there's dancing girls and there's fucking jewelry everywhere. And everything's like, this is the guy. He comes in. He's like, look, you know, you don't have to continue on this quest. You can stay here. It's all good. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Uh, You know, my, my ninth wife seems to be into you. I'll give her to you. Cringe. The material yeah. temptation was was both one of the the stronger scenes and the most cringeworthy scene. Right, because I mean, you understand why that was there. It was mm-hmm. just handled in such a ham-fisted. Right, right, and and I think that scene could be done in a remake very much more subtly. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to give your wife away. There's other no. pleasures of the flesh that you can have. Or, right. you know, you can make it so that it's her decision to do what she wants instead of being her her sultan mm-hmm. mac daddy. It's, it's also a bit of a... It's just cringeworthy that, that David Carradine plays this guy who's supposed to be, like, Arab. Right. <laughs> they put the makeup on him. He's, he's playing... Blatantly Arab with a Chinese name. Yeah, and but and I mean they give him the Fu Manchu mustache, and they they put him in a caravan with camels, and he's at the oasis, and it's oh like, yeah, oh, ooh. 
Yes, my ninth wife seems to be into you. Okay, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Can you please give me... Is there something about this character that isn't a stereotype? Just anything. No, no. He's meant to be. He's meant to be a tempter, and he's meant to be. I don't know why they picked. It's it's really hard to say what he was supposed true, to be because because it's David Carradine playing this guy, so right? They, like so, they'd, oh, so you know, they'd have tents and they'd have they, camels and they they gave him a wig, they painted him up, uh, they gave him the the mustache, you know, and made him out to be the, this Arab warlord kind of guy. Yeah, and then he introduces himself as Chang Sha, which is a Chinese name. Yeah, it becomes it becomes very cringeworthy. I kind of get the feeling Bruce Lee would have taken on all the op- opponent roles as well as um, the, the mm-hmm. teacher role, right? because each each opponent is supposed to fight with a different style. Right? Can David Carradine actually perform martial arts? Yes. Okay. But I do not believe that his particular style was suited for that particular film. Okay. I think when you see when you see the blind man fighting, right, and you you're seeing the 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 really powerful low kicks when they're on the ground, and and all the the movements with the staff, right. I think that's more of David Carradine's actual style. But even that was like slower than fucking Darth so, Vader and Obi Wan, right. because because you know. <laughs> They're probably dealing with extras that they paid like $10 to get on the set. But a lot of the really fancy, high-kicking stuff, that, that really wasn't his his style. Sure, David Carradine was probably embarrassed by this movie. I mean, it's one of those things he probably took the role because because of what it was. And because of the money, I mean. And because of the money. He, he probably got paid for it, and he, and he took it. It's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, this is kind of an exciting project. I mean, anybody anybody who's an actor who got you know, asked to be in this movie, probably really wanted to be in this movie. That's true. I mean, and it's not like they had, it was all schlubs. Right. You know, they managed to get Roddy McDowell for a bit part. Yeah. Uh, They got Christopher Lee for a bit part, you know, an important bit part, but still a bit part. The guy in the tub was famous too, huh? Yeah. I forget who the guy in the tub is. And one of the reasons why I believe this was like a almost like a proto sword and sorcery movie is because it follows that very similar formula of the episodic adventure. Each encounter that he has is almost self-contained. If this movie were really worth watching over and over and over again, you could take each of these sequences and break them down. Right. And I'm sure it has like some significance in, um, you know, the journey of discovery in, in Zen Buddhism. Chang Sha's caravan of delights. Well, I mean, you also had the guy in the in the in the tub, in the tub. Who, who hates his physical body so much that he has uh, doused himself in a vat he, of oil to yeah, cause his lower regions to shrivel up and fall yes, off. It's Eli Wallach. Eli Wallach. <laughs> Who's like pretty fucking famous. And and that sequence itself is 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 a little disturbing, but and it it also has its humor value. That's the only thing I remember from having seen this as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly, I was watching this and going, "Oh, Cord looks familiar," which is weird because I have never seen anything else he's been in. Right. And then I I was thinking, "Oh, have I seen this on Mystery Science Theater or something?" And then I saw the scene with Eli Wallach, and it all fell into place. I was like, "Oh." I've right. seen this film. Mm-hmm. 
And then you have, no matter how hard you try, you can't step in the same water twice. And then you get to the final scene, the the, the evil wizard Zaytan, who they've they've built up and built up and built up as this you know central villain character, and he comes out. And he is essentially a monk. He's he's a man of peace. Right. And Cord has gone in here, you know, with this expectation expectation that he's gonna have to fight Zaytan. Right. And you kind of figure out through the whole movie it's gonna be David Carradine again because he's playing all the all the um opponents. But it's not, it's Christopher Lee. And I'm sure there's some metaphor in there as well. Well, I mean, that's that's Cord's final temptation. He's He's offered a chance. He can either look at the book or he can take Zaytan's place and live on this island as an immortal forever in peace and harmony. And so Cord looks at the book. The book is actually the pages of the book. We're going to spoil the whole fucking end for you. Because, oh, because you know, it's the, you know, it's Kung Fu Panda ending. Well, you just spoiled the ending. There you go. I only um, spoil the ending if you've seen Kung Fu Panda. Right. Which is a better movie. <laughs> it's it's Kung Fu Panda is a better movie. <laughs> Watch Kung Fu Panda. But overall, this film is deeper than than it really was. Is it, it presents itself? Yeah, but it's, its execution is what makes it a bad film. Yeah, it's unfortunate that you have some like pretty high concepts um, that happen in this film. Especially like that ending is pretty is pretty uh you know meaty. It's pretty deep. And, right, and as he figures out who the blind man is, right, you know, through the revelation of the ending, he he comes to the conclusion of the the general of the, right. the you know, of the blind man's identity. Right. Unfortunately, and and maybe if Coburn and and Lee were actually involved in this beyond like being stoned one day, and hey, it would be a great movie. It would be a great movie. Hmm. Oh yeah, I think I think that it with if it was made the way it was intended to be made, the silent flute, which is what Lee originally called it, the silent flute probably would have gone down in cinema history as one of the greatest movies of all time. But what we got, renamed Circle of Iron, was kind of a ham-fisted attempt to just make this movie, perhaps for rights reasons, perhaps perhaps as a legitimate tribute to Lee. Or maybe to capitalize on, or maybe to capitalize, movies, you know, David Carradine, Bruce Lee, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Well, this was seventy eight, seventy nine. This was kind of the end of of the kung fu craze. We were we were about to hit the ninja craze, and I, I think this was kind of like a, wanting to be the last hurrah and a project that they could try to attach Bruce Lee's name to. It it is a bad film. It is poorly executed. Hopefully, I, the, they make the they make a new version of it. I would love to see, you know, some other actors doing this. I would like to see different writer take that story, and and make it into a a, a feature film. Yeah, it's going to be Joss Whedon. And now that I'm thinking about it, it would also work as a television series. But I would also read this as a novelization, if you know a good writer took the story and and wrote it. You know, somebody who would be who would be able to write a good fight scene. Alan Dean Foster, <laughs> <laughs> James Blish. All right, smartass. If you haven't seen it, it's worth seeing at least once for the cringe factor. 
Well, that's the thing is like, um, you know, we've looked at a couple of these, these old sword and sorcery esque movies and we'll lump it in there because it's more sword and sorcery than martial arts at this right. point as it stands. Right. You know, a lot of them are cringy, but they're, they're entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I was entertained. I wasn't like, I got to put this in. I can't watch this shit. Oh, it is. It's it is entertaining. It's you know, I was I was able to watch it again. I mean, I watched it twenty years ago, and I think I enjoyed it more the second time around. Maybe because I was had a better appreciation of some of the concepts that they were trying to get across, and it was able to ignore some of the bad acting and bad choreography and things like that, and and bad casting and, and yeah use of a woman as as a plot device rather than as a character i mean there's there's all kinds of bad in this film yeah and and it's all it was a product of the 70s as well so you know there's there's that people were just weren't as enlightened it's going to get remade and uh roy thomas is going to get all pissy about it i don't think roy thomas had anything to do with it I don't, but he got pissy about iron fist well of course he got pissy about iron fist there you have it. Circle of Iron, a.k.a. The Silent Flute. Check it out if you're bored. Yes. it's uh, um, you know, Check it out if you're bored. Check it out if you're interested in uh, Buddhist concepts. Or, or check it out if you're interested in anything that is remotely co- connected to Bruce Lee. Yes. And um, we mean remotely. <laughs> right. And if you watch this film and you have any questions, just email us at uh, microphonesofmadness at gmail.com. And uh, Steve will answer all your questions. I will. I, and I will answer content. your questions with a question. Just remember, it is very hard to kill a horse with a flute. You haven't heard me play flute. Good night, everybody. Good night.